the word today. Amen. And it was, I just second that. Our team did such an amazing job. You'll see Abby and Lulu, they're wearing their African outfits that were, that were and, and Samantha. And I, I, I want to second what, what Drew said. The team was so uh, outstanding. It was just outstanding. Uh, to, it's not a, a missions trip. Sometimes it looks glamorous. Like you see the video and you hear the music and you're thinking, man, I would love to do that. But I want to tell you something. A missions trip is solid work. It is literally work. You, you, you find yourself, you're waiting around. You, you don't know, you know, what time am I getting up? What time are we leaving? It, it, everything's different. The schedule is different on a missions trip. And it's, it's, it's not necessarily leaning towards our comfort. And uh, I talked to Scotty. He actually, we sent him, as soon as we landed, we split up into five different teams. And uh, Drew, of course, he's talking about the trip that they took. Um, they went to a place that I don't think an American has ever been to. They got on a, a motor. It only is accessible with a motorcycle. And you probably saw the video. One of our team members fell off into a puddle of mud um, because literally that's how it was. Um, but Scott and Joseph, Nora, went to a, an, another village, and the, the people, like, welcomed them. In, they stayed in their homes, and they're just war- marching around preaching the gospel. And Scotty, he comes up to me afterwards. He goes, man, that was amazing. I felt like the Apostle Paul. And I just was like, this is amazing, you know. Uh, but our team did such a, a wonderful job, and they, they really deserve a big round of applause. Can we give them one? Amen. Thank you, Lisa, for allowing your husband to travel with me. Drew was, was a phenomenal help to the churches there. And, and anyways, praise God. Let's, let's get into it this morning. We're going to release our children uh, to their classrooms today. And I want to welcome everybody that's visiting with us online this morning. We're glad that you're here. I'm sorry I sound like a 12-year-old going through puberty. Uh, my throat is just done. You know, I, we, we did the trip to Africa. We, we arrived back home on Sunday and uh, got back into the saddle a little bit, started doing work around here. And then Friday, I went to, to Mexico because uh, I, I had, I had um, agreed to speak at a conference there. It's my, it's my wonderful planning. And so my throat was thrashed when I got back. And then I had to preach on Friday and Saturday in Mexico. And I'm so glad that I did because it's really cool to have the contrast of what's going on in Africa, and then to come immediately home and then see what God's doing in Mexico, and we're all linked. It just was so amazing that we're, we're a part of something so much bigger than I think we realize, and that the family that we have, uh, the church that we are a part of, the ministry that we, that we love is, is literally replicated in Ghana. It's, it's amazing that the values and the mission and our vision, it's just being replicated in Ghana. I'll, no matter what church we went to, how far away we were in, in some remote villages, you're going to see the values that we celebrate here at Elevate, they're being replicated right there. And then to go to Mexico uh, and, and be in the Tijuana area at, at our Pancho Villa Church, it's a church that was one of the original church plants of Pastor Raul and Lapita, to be at that conference and recognize recognize this is like several generations of, of church plants and to recognize the same values, the same mission, the same vision. Our logo is just 
there, I mean, it's, it's just amazing to see that happening literally all across the globe. And I'm so glad to be a part of that. And you should too. It's, it's just, it's so, it's so amazing. So this morning, maybe you brought a tithe or an offering uh, to give to the Lord today. Uh, what you're giving to uh, our church and the ministry that we do here in Orange County and what we're doing around the globe, it's well worth uh, your, your finances. And it doesn't, go, it doesn't go unnoticed. Your gifts are being multiplied, and God's using them to make a difference around the world. If you've brought a tithe or an offering, uh, you can give electronically uh, with the scan code behind me or via our app. Or you can just drop it right in our, in our giving boxes on your way out of church this morning. We just want to thank every partner that partners together with us to do what God's called us to do. Amen. All right. I'm going to do my very best today. And I'm going to... When I'm preaching my hardest, my voice will be sounding the quietest. I'll promise you that. Uh, but if you'll just, just kind of hang in with me today, uh, I believe there's a message I have for you from the Lord uh, to speak to you. We, we've been kind of on a theme, and I've been kind of staying in tune with what's been happening around here over the last few weeks. But right before we left for Africa, I preached a message called Beans, Rice, and Jesus Christ. Does anybody remember that? And basically, the idea of the message is that all of us, we're good, we're good by ourselves. We have some things that we bring to the table. But there's something about the church that when we're together in combination, we're better together. I mean, we're good by ourselves, but when you put us together, we're so much better together. And, and then we, we, that, that Sunday, we launched our fall e-groups. And I know that many of you have gotten involved in an e-group, a small group of people gathering around. And I've been seeing pictures of, of family groups and women's groups and young people groups and marriage groups. And we're just, we're just having a bunch of people connecting around the things of God in smaller circles. And, and the testimonies and the stories that have happened as a result of that have been outstanding. And so that's, that's so, so exciting. It's beans, rice, and Jesus Christ. We're better together. And then Pastor Carl, the week we left for Africa, Pastor Carl spoke on spiritual gifts. And I'm not sure whether or not you're aware, but you've been given generously gifts from God. That God's given every one of us, he's equipped us with spiritual gifts. And I know that some of us, we, we come in and we maybe don't recognize exactly what those gifts are or, or how they fit or what, what they could be used for in the body of Christ. But I want to tell you something. Every person here is important in the plan of God. You're so valuable here. And it's important that, that, that you get out what God's put in your heart because he's given you gifts that are, that are, that are so important to the body of Christ. And so maybe you're thinking, well, I, 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 know, I know I have spiritual gifts. I'm not sure what they are. Well, I, I'm glad that you don't know what they are. We want to help you discover them. And so we've developed what we've called our eConnect online course. It's a course that you can, you can grab right from our website. Go to elevateministries.com and just hit eConnect. And it's going to take you on an online course. It's a, it's a video course of several videos and a couple of assessments. And those assessments will really kind of highlight maybe what the giftings that are inside of you so that we can help you get, get them out. At the end of the course, there'll be an opportunity for you to have a one-on-one -on -one interview with a member of our staff. And the goal of that interview is to help you discover what your gifts are and then get them into practice in the body of Christ. We want every person involved in the kingdom of God. You're not here to take up a seat. That's not why God placed you here. You're here so that you, you're valuable and your gifts are important. And we need to get those gifts in operation in the body of Christ. Somebody shout amen. We want to connect you to your purpose 
and to other people. That's our, that's our goal here at Elevate Ministries. Last week, my, my wife spoke, and I'm, I hate missing when my wife speaks because she still is my favorite speaker in the entire world. But, but last week, she talked a little bit about how your perspective can either promote or destroy unity. And she shared about the 12 spies that were sent out to spy out the land. And 10, 10 of those spies identified themselves as grasshoppers. In other words, all they could see was the problem in front of them. But two of the spies, the two of the spies saw that they were more than capable to take the land. And I think a lot of us, we find ourselves in the same, same type of scenario where, where we're looking at our society, we're looking at our world, and, and we can, it's easy to point out all of the problems. Does anybody can say to been to that? We can point out all of the issues, and literally we could circle those problems for the rest of our lives, or we can be like the two that saw that they were more than capable to take the land, and they stepped into the promise that God had for their life. I, I, I love the idea of that message, but even more than that, I think it's really cool how Natalie was able to get up and share the poem that she wrote during Carrie's bout with cancer. And I remember when, when, when Natalie handed me that poem to, to give to Carrie right in the middle of, of our fight with cancer. And, and it, was, it was her perspective on Carrie as she battled through the, the cancer. And, and what's awesome is that Natalie's perspective helped shape Carrie's perspective of her own circumstance. And I just think that's just a picture of the body of Christ, that, that, that we work together to focus our eyes on not the problems or the circumstances, but we look at what God sees. Can somebody say amen? We partner together. We, we share our gifts with each other. Why? So that we can enjoy the promises that God has for our lives. Amen. This is the heartbeat of God. It's God's heartbeat. It's his plan. It's his idea. It's partnership. Somebody look at your neighbor and say partnership. If there's anyone that doesn't need partnership, it's God. Like, like, if anybody could do it all by themselves, it's God. God doesn't need our help, all right? He doesn't need our talent. He doesn't need our skill set. He, he doesn't need our experience. And I know sometimes we think we bring a lot to the table, but let's be, let's be honest. God could do it much better without any of our, any, any of our problems, any of our hang-ups, any of our issues. But God chooses to share his glory with us. He chooses to empower his people to do his work. I mean, that, to me, that's such an amazing concept. I, I don't know if that does anything to you, but it's always been God's heart, and it's always been his plan when it comes to mankind. Now, here's the thing. I think we all understand how powerful God is. Don't we talk about it all the time? Don't we, don't we sing it in the, in the worship songs that we sing? We, we, we always are, are talking about how wonderful and powerful and almighty God is. We preach that Jesus is the answer. How many believe Jesus is the answer? That makes for a good message. We prophesy about God bringing breakthrough into our lives. How many, how many appreciate that? We believe that through our God, we shall do valiantly. We believe this. We know that our help comes from above. We know that Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes up to the mountain from where my help comes from. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. We know that Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will direct your path. All of these things we know. We know how awesome God is. 
We, we, we preach this. We, we talk about it. We minister around this concept of how wonderful God is. But the thing about God, and I want, what I want you to zero in on right here, is that God believes that for breakthrough to actually happen, you are the answer. I mean, we talk all the time about God's the answer. He's, he's almighty. He's all-powerful. But in actuality, God is looking at you and I. I know it's messing with your heads right now. This is, you're thinking this is, this is terrible preaching. But, but God looks at you and says, you are the answer. God, God created mankind for partnership. For partnership. He didn't create man because he needed some servants. He didn't create man to do all the dirty work. He, he didn't create man just for companionship, although we have companionship with God. But God created man to partner with. To partner with. And, and so I want to try and explain that to you today. I'm trying to help you with this. And, and maybe I could start off by talking about how we as a church expand our campuses. So, so right now, here we are. We're sitting here in Orange County. We're enjoying a wonderful service. But at the same time, today, right down in, in Whittier at our North Campus, there's also an Elevate service going on. They're also, they just had a baptism last week with several people getting baptized. Down, across state lines in Albuquerque, New Mexico, there's another campus, an Elevate campus. It's going on right now. It's, it's amazing when you go to those campuses, and many of you have been there, what you notice immediately is it's the same that the same values and the, and the same mission and the same vision, all of a sudden you see, you, you recognize, wow, what they're doing at my church, my church home in Orange County, it's kind of happening the same way right here. Well, well, how does that happen? How is that possible? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you how it's possible. We have men named Pastor Ted Ryback and Pastor Valentino Pacheco that are leading those campuses. And those men, in order for us to expand into those locations, we had to find someone who could emulate our values, who knows our mission, who understands our vision, and, and we send them to these areas to replicate what they, the culture that they were a, a part of here, to replicate that there. And, and I think it's so amazing because when you go there, it's actually working. It's the same way with God's mission to invade earth with heaven. It's the same thing. God created man in his image and in his likeness so that the mission, the vision, and the values of heaven could come to earth. So God's desire, grab a hold of this, when he created man was not just that we would bear his image, not just that we would, and we would bear his likeness, but that we would carry his mission, that we would carry his assignment, that we would carry his purpose and values to bring heaven to earth. Somebody shout amen and give me a break. I think you see this illustrated in Ezekiel chapter 22. Maybe if we could get into that rhythm today, it would really help me. I'm telling you, it would really help me. Ezekiel 22 Verse 30 is a, it's an interesting scripture, and it's God speaking, and he says this, So I sought for a man who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land. Now, what, what this tells us is that all God is looking for is a man. <clears throat> what God wants is a man or a woman. and it, 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 it could be any man. 
it could be it could be any woman. It, they could be tall. They could be short. They they could be they could be they could be physically fit. They could be out of shape, inexperienced, experienced. They could be poor. They could be rich. God's just looking for someone to partner with, and you were created for partnership. And what does that look like, Adam? What, what do you what do you mean by that? Well, I'll tell you. It's it's like this. You are God's inside man. You are God's inside man. So when I think about the Bible, God, the Bible is, is full of inside men and women. People like Daniel. You read the story of Daniel and you know that, that Daniel and all of his, all of his, uh, his counterparts were, were, were besieged and taken into captivity and taken into Babylon. And Babylon, um, they, they, they began to, to, to change their names. They began to change their identity, change their clothing, remove their history, began to indoctrinate them with the ways of, of Babylon. It's no different than what's going on today. It's the same thing, changing our identity, changing our history, changing, uh, indoctrinating. This is the same stuff that's going on today, but, but God had a man in Babylon by the name of Daniel. And no matter how hard Satan tried to take him out, they, they set this decree that, that, that all of the practices of the Hebrew people that were not allowed. So they couldn't pray to their God and, and they could only pray to King Nebuchadnezzar. And Daniel's like, no way. That goes against the values that are inside of me. That goes against everything I believe. And so he goes straight home. He, he throws open the windows to his house facing the east. He begins to bow down and begins to pray openly before the Lord. This ticked off everybody, ticked off all of the leaders. They're saying, how could you do that? We, we said that's not allowed. And it's like Newsom, all right? You can't do that. You can't do this. And Daniel said, no way. It goes against everything that I believe and so they arrested him and just like they threatened they threw him into a lion's den and and but because of heaven's values and because of the partnership that he enjoyed with God there was nothing that could harm him nothing could injure him an angel came and protected him that day he was God's inside man and God used him in a tremendous way you are God's inside man Think of another story of, of, a, of an inside woman by the name of Esther. And we know the story of Esther. Esther wins this beauty pageant for her nation. And first prize is she gets to, she gets to, to marry this gluttonous, fat, overweight, pagan-loving king. I mean, what a great prize to win, all right? And so she... she she wins the, the beauty pageant, and immediately she's part of his, his harem. And, and while she's there living in the palace, she hears about the decree that's gone out that all of God's people, all of the Jews, are going to be wiped out. I mean, devastating news. And her uncle Mordecai says, says Esther, you've got to do something about this. And Esther's like, how could I do something about it? I just live in the palace. But, but the king hasn't called for me for months. Um, um, and even, even if he did, I'm not allowed to talk to him about this kind of stuff. I've only got one job. And Mordecai said, listen, Esther, if you don't do something, God will raise up a deliverer from somewhere else. But who knows, maybe God's placed you there, positioned you there for such a time as this. And you know the rest of the story. What was Mordecai saying? He's saying, Esther, you are God's inside woman. And I want to tell you something today. You are God's inside man. I think sometimes we lose sight. Go ahead. Thank you so much. 
I think sometimes we lose sight of the big picture of our lives. I think sometimes we, 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 we lose sight. We, we look at our situation and we, we look at our circumstance and we, we ask, why am I at this job? Or why do I live here? And why, why am I, I surrounded by these people? And why am I going to this school? Why am I connected to this team? And you may not understand right now why you are where you are, but maybe, just maybe, God's placed you there as a partner. Maybe you're there as God's inside man. I know, I know we need God, but Ezekiel 22.30 says that God's looking for a man. God's looking for someone to partner with. God, God, God's looking for someone that, that he can bring into his kingdom, someone that he can give dominion to, who can give authority to. He's looking for a partner. And, and this, this is encouraging to me. It encourages me so much because I know it's God's will that none should perish. I know it's God's will that none should perish. And so when God sent our family, my mom, my dad, and myself, he, he sent us here to Orange County. The reason God sent us here is not because we had all this experience in planting a church. He, he didn't send us here because we were experienced or because we had some talent. He didn't send us because we had, we had all this to offer Orange County or we had some sort of great, amazing uh, ability. God sent us here because he was looking for someone. He, he was looking for an inside man, someone who would fight for Orange County, someone who would speak up for those who, who didn't have a voice. And we just said yes. We just said, God, I'm willing to partner with you. You were created for partnership. You are God's inside man, inside woman in your life today. Amen. Now, why is this so important? Why, why is partnership so important? And I want to get practical here a little bit. You know, I think the reason partnership is so important is because it's a biblical concept that authority flows in partnership. Authority flows in partnership. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered together in my name, there I am in your midst. This is why we value being together together in person and on purpose. There's a partnership. There's an authority. There's a power that happens when we're together, when we're in unity. Jesus said, if two of you agree touching anything in heaven, it shall be done. There's an authority that comes. There's a power that flows in partnership. And so for you to operate in authority, you have to be under authority. In Luke chapter 7, great story. It's a story about a centurion. This centurion would have been a leader. He would have been a military leader. And, and he sends word to Jesus. Jesus, my servant, Someone that I love dearly is sick to the point of death. And his expectation is that Jesus could heal this servant. So Jesus gets this word, and Jesus says, I'm going to go, and I'm going to minister to this girl, and I'm going I'm, I'm to raise her up. But as he's on his way, this centurion sends a message back to Jesus, and we see it in verse 10. He says, Jesus, just, you skip me, go back. 
No, verse number seven. You were there and it went back. He said, just say the word and my servant will be healed. And look, what, look how he describes it. He says, I'm a man placed under authority, having soldiers under me. And so I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, I say, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled and said, I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of Israel. And those who were sent returned to the house and found the servant well who had been sick. What this story says is that Jesus, all he needs in order to do the miraculous, he just needs a partner. He only needs a partner. This centurion understood the power and anointing that was on Jesus' life. He'd seen Jesus do miracles, and he believed that Jesus had the power to raise his servant back to life. And, he, and in his mind, he, he also understood, I understand authority. I, I'm, in author, I'm under the authority of the king, and because of that, I have authority to tell other people what to do, and they do it because I stand in authority not of my own, but of the one that I serve. And so he says, you know what? I can do the same thing in this way that I, I see the authority of Jesus, if I can just position myself under his word, then the authority that Jesus has, I now possess, and my, my servant can be brought back to life. Jesus speaks the word, and just like he said, the, the servant was raised back to life. And, and I want to tell you something today. This is the same thing that operates in our life. If we can understand the partnership, the alignment that God wants us to have with him, and we can operate that the word that Jesus speaks, we can speak, and we can see the same thing happen in our lives. Somebody say amen. Authority flows in part. In Matthew 28, Jesus says this. He said, all authority has been given to me. He didn't say most authority has been given to me. He didn't say 99.99% of the authority has been passed on to me. He didn't say some of the authority. He said all of the authority. That means there's none left over. He has every bit of it. He says, all authority has been given to me. And then look what he says next, which is so interesting. He says, now go therefore. What does he mean by that? He's saying this. He's saying, I'm giving you the command. And if you obey the command, if you position your life under my word, then the authority that I possess, you possess. We're partners. I'm going to, if you just obey and position yourself under my word, the authority, all the authority that I have, you now come under that. And as you, as you go, you walk in the authority that I'm giving you. And there's no force in hell that will be able to stop you. And that's why you can move with your wife and your son to Orange County. And you can come to this place and not know anyone, not understand the freeways, not know the culture. But because God said go and Pastor Carl said yes and he went, it doesn't matter how expensive things are. It doesn't matter that it's almost impossible to get a conditional use permit or to, to have a building. It won't matter that property is too expensive and everyone says it's impossible. You'll be able to go because I'm sending you. You'll be able to bind and loose and claim and prophesy because you're in partnership with me. All things are possible. Somebody say amen. So this is what God is looking for. He, he's looking for a partner to change a city. 
He's looking for a partner to impact a high school, to impact a college, to make impact in a neighborhood, at a job site, in a community, at a workplace. I think it's interesting, and we'll get practical here. The first thing that, that God said was not good, and you've heard me talk about this a lot, but it's a revelation that I've had. The first thing that God said in Genesis 2 that was not good was for man to be alone. And I've read, I've read this portion of Scripture so many times because I do the Bible plan, and every year we start here. And always at the beginning of the year, we're really gung-ho about reading the Bible, so I'm totally into it in January. You know what I'm talking about? And, and so I'm thinking about it. I'm, I'm wrestling with it. It's not good for man to be alone. The problem I had with this, this, this text is that Adam wasn't alone. I, get, I, I didn't get it. Like, wait a second. We just read that Adam would walk with you, God, in the cool of the day. So Adam had community with God every single day. How amazing would that be? To enjoy relationship. So Adam wasn't alone. He had God. And not only did he have God, he had purpose. Because God told them, I want you to tend to this garden. I want you to keep it nice. I want you to, I'm going to bring the animals to you. You're going to name them. And whatever you call them, that's what they're going to be. And so not only did, did he have God in relationship, but he also had purpose for his life. And yet God still looked at him and said, it's not good that, for man to be alone. Something was missing in his life. Something was missing. And I think the reason God said that is because, yes, he had relationship with God. God was speaking into his life, but there was no one there that he could agree with. There was no one there to say amen to, to the word that was inside of his life. And, and, and so God knew that man by himself is a bad idea. And so in partnership with man, God connects us to each other. It's the beauty of the church. It's God's idea that, yes, we're in partnership with God, but as a result of our partnership with God, we have to be connected to others. We need someone to come in agreement. We need someone to, to say amen. We need a partner. I don't think you see this illustrated any better than when it comes to marriage. And so I, I, I want to use marriage to talk about the partnership that I think we all need with each other too. I think we see it here in the church. But marriage is a perfect picture of it. And, uh, and really what, what, what stood out to me in Scripture, and I'm going to try and show you something, and you'll have to kind of, you'll, you'll have to strap in to kind of see this, okay? In Proverbs 18, verse 21, you guys all know this Scripture. I'll put it up, I'll put it up on the screen for you. It says that death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Now, many of us, we, we know this Scripture. We've read this Scripture and, and it, it's, it's, it's a powerful on its own. It stands alone. We, we've preached on it a lot. And we've talked about it a lot. And we love it. But sometimes in Proverbs, you're reading through Proverbs, and there's so many different thoughts. Like they seem unconnected all the time. So this is powerful, and it stands alone in its own right. And then you read the next verse, and it says this. It says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. And so oftentimes you're reading through Proverbs and you'll just grab one and fixate on it and not really recognize or think about maybe it's connected. Maybe there's a connection here. And so verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue. How many of you believe that? 
that God has given us the ability to speak life, speak death, that there's power in our words, especially when we're partnering with God and speaking the word of God. There's power in our words. But then the very next verse, you think it seems like it doesn't go together, but maybe it does. Because he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor. What good is it to have a powerful word from God if there's no one there to agree with you? What good is it to have a powerful word to speak life or to speak death and have no one to amen that and no one to agree with what you're saying? We need a partner. That's why the Bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken. So now you have Adam in the garden and he's got communication with God and God's speaking into his life. And now Adam can share in that partnership and bring his bride alongside. And there's this trinity of partnership. And I think that's what God has for the church. It's you, it's God, it's other people amening and agreeing together. And now there's an authority that flows in that partnership. This is why Satan is always trying to destroy marriage. This is why Satan is always trying to, to bring disunity in the body and get you mad at the person sitting over there. Because Satan understands if he can break partnership, he takes over the authority. He, he, he wins. And, and, and so, so, so there's, a, there's a scripture I want to share with you in 1 Peter 3. I want you to look at this. and it, it's, it's the authority that I, I want to talk about. It says, husbands, I love this scripture. Husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding giving honor to the wife as the weaker vessel. Now, when it says weaker there, it's not saying that they're weaker in their brain capacity. They're not weaker emotionally. It's saying they're weaker physically. And this is why men can't compete in women's sports. Somebody say amen, all right? All right. It says, it says give honor to the wife because you're heirs together. You're partners. You're heirs together and if you're not honoring your wife, your prayer is going to be hindered. What that scripture is saying is that it doesn't matter how anointed you think you are, it doesn't matter how much you read God's word, it doesn't matter how close relationship you have with God, if you're not honoring your wife, your life will not exhibit any power. It won't exhibit any power. If there's no, if there's no partnership, if there's no agreement between husband and wife, if there's no partnership there, there's going to be no power. And some of you are saying, yeah, but you don't understand my wife. God's obviously not talking about my wife. My wife is different than the wives he's talking about in the Bible. And he's not talking about just any husband. I mean, he's talking about all the husbands there, but I'm different. I, I'm more anointed. I, I have got more, more power in my life than most men. I mean, I don't wear deodorant because I don't perspire. I've got that kind of anointing on my life. I don't floss my teeth because plaque just falls off of my teeth because of the anointing that I have. Let me tell you something. I don't care what you think. God's saying in this scripture, if you don't learn to treat your bride better, if you don't learn to agree together and come in alignment together, I'm not answering your prayers. They are hindered and you have no power. Why? Because authority flows in partnership. It flows in partnership. Now, I didn't realize when I was marrying my wife, Carrie, when I went into marriage, I was going in for all the peripheral stuff. I'm thinking, this is going to be amazing. She's beautiful. She's beautiful. She can cook. Like, 
Like, she's a great cook. And I'm kind of going in thinking about all the peripheral fun that I'm going to enjoy as the result of this, this marriage. It's kind, of, it's kind of the way, you, know, you guys have all heard Joe Minchaka when he talks about wife. He says, wife stands for washing, ironing, food, and entertainment, all right? And so, so I know we need to pray for Elo in this. I don't know where he came up with that, but that's something he has. But, but, but I kind of was going into marriage, not, not really describing it quite like Joe does, but I was kind of going into the same type of motive. Is anybody with me? But I had no idea that God says, he who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. All the things that I was expecting to be the reason for marriage was literally just icing on the cake. Because what God was bringing into my life was someone that, that I could agree together with. And I can't tell you how many times we've agreed together over the future of our children. I can't tell you how many times we agreed together over her healing. I can't tell you how many times we came into agreement for the future of this church. I can't tell you how many times we came into agreement when the devil was coming in like a flood and lies were being spread. We came into agreement. I had a bride who understands Yes, I love compa companionship, and I love being with her. I, I love the fun that we enjoy. I, I enjoy all of that stuff, but more than any of those things, God gave me a bride so that we could come together in alignment and in agreement with someone, and when you do that, there's power. There's power that flows from partnership. God said it's not good for man to be alone. God understands there's power and agreement. And here's the problem. So many men, they can't get beyond sex or the physical part of marriage. But the gift of God is someone that if you will honor her, if you will honor him, if you will treat her good, if you'll treat him good, you'll have someone that you can agree with. You'll have someone that you can be in alignment with, and your prayer, as God's promised, will go to another level. I have no doubt that I'm experiencing what I'm experiencing in my life because God taught me how to lead and how to love and how to honor and how to cherish my bride so that when we hold hands and we stand before God, we stand under authority, in partnership, in agreement, and power flows as a result. Amen. There's power. It flows from, from partnership. And I want to kind of end on this, if I can, before my, my voice goes away for good. Partnership empowers. Anyone who places someone in authority empowers them. This is what Jesus did in Acts 1, verse 8. Now, you got to remember the context of, of Acts 1. Jesus is has already died. He's risen from the grave. He's met with his disciples. He's, he's, he's shown himself to a lot of the believers. And now Jesus is about to ascend into heaven. All right, he's about to go to heaven. And so he tells his disciples, what I want you to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, and I want you to wait there, and I'm going to send you power. Before you go, I need you to stay. It was a directive that Jesus was giving his disciples, and if they obeyed what Jesus said, he promised, I'm going to give you power. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, what you have to understand is, is that these men, they, they'd, 
they'd walked with Jesus. They'd seen all the miracles. They, they'd watched all the signs and wonders that he performed. They watched him, they watched him get arrested and beaten and brutalized. They'd seen Jesus nailed to the cross. I mean, they thought the whole thing was over. They thought everything they were a part of was done. But then three days later, he rose from the dead. Now you can just imagine these men, inside of them was this amazing story that I'm sure they wanted to share with everyone. And they, they probably felt that the story itself had power. Like, like Jesus, what do we need to wait for? Jesus says, I want you to wait in Jerusalem. Why? Why would we wait? Why would we hold back what we've seen? This is amazing. And Jesus says, I want you to wait. I want you to stay. And the reason I want to land on this and I want to finish here is because the power that you want to experience in your life only happens when you come under his directive. When you come under his word, when you become obedient to his will and not your own. Never underestimate the power of aligning your will with God's will. I remember many years ago, kind of a prayer in my life at the time was, God, I want your will for my life. I want your will for my life. I think many of us have prayed that, and we really echo it from Jesus. Not my will, your will. Not my will, thy, not, not my will but thy will be done, right? And so I'm trying to echo that. I'm praying that. I'm trying to make it holy, you know? And I felt God press into my spirit and say this, Adam, I cannot do... Sorry. This is a good moment, so I got to make sure it comes across right. I felt God press into my, my heart, Adam, I cannot do my will in your life. I can only do your will in your life. And I'm, I'm confused by that. Like, God, why? What do you mean by that? Adam, like, God, I want, I want your will in my life. And God says, Adam, I can only do your will in your life. And as I began to think about that, I felt the Spirit press into me. When your will becomes my will, you'll see my will happen in your life. I want to say that again. God was telling me, Adam, when your will becomes my will, then you'll see my will happen in your life. Because the truth is, is that all of us, we're able to resist God's will. All of us can do it. We know the scripture, right? It says, I'm not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. God's will is none perishing, everybody repenting. We also know in Matthew 25 that hell was created not for humans. Hell was created for the devil and his angels. Yet we know today that many people have perished. Many people have not accepted the free gift of God through repentance and many humans today are, are spending eternity in hell why because they resisted the will of God for their life we're actually able all of us to resist God's will 
That's something that we need to think about. But just like we can resist God's will, we can also embrace God's will. I can embrace God's will to the point that it becomes my own. I can repent of my will and come into alignment, into agreement with His will. And I want to tell you something. Never underestimate the power of aligning your life under the will of God. Because when a human being lines up with God, God gave you the, the ability to choose. You, you, you have the ability to choose. God, I want my plans. I, I, want, I want my dreams. I, I, want, I want my purpose. But there's something that happens when you say, oh, I'm putting all that to the side. And God, I'm surrendering to your will. You see, the truth is, I didn't get saved because I grew up in a Christian home. I didn't get saved because I said a certain prayer or felt bad for what I did. I got saved because I said, I'm done with myself. I'm done with my plans. I'm, I'm done trying to do this on my own. God, I want you and nothing else. And when I surrendered to God, all of a sudden, God's salvation came into my life. As soon as I surrendered my will, instantaneously the Spirit of God entered into my life. I, I surrendered to Him. I said, God, I promise I'm going to serve you for the rest of my life. And because I promised to serve Him, God, God, because I came into alignment with His will, God filled me with power. And I want to tell you something. Since that day, I've witnessed God do amazing things. I've seen God do amazing things in my life. I've watched him do amazing things in our church. And here's the truth. Adam's not doing any amazing things. Our church isn't doing any amazing things. God is doing amazing things partnering with his people. Because that's how God works. And what God's looking for, he's looking for a man. He's looking for a woman. I wonder if there's a man or a woman here today. And you say, you know what? What, what, what God has for me. I don't know the plan. I don't know why I'm here. I don't know why I'm working where I'm working, living where I'm living. I don't know why I'm, I'm, I'm going to the school I'm going to. Let me tell you something. Maybe you could just peer back to the big picture and recognize God's placed you there. You're an inside man. You're an inside woman. He's positioned you in a place where miracles can happen. I wonder if there's anybody that say, you know what? I'm willing to be God's inside man. I'm willing to be God's inside woman. If that's you, just stand your feet and say, that's me. I I'll represent. I'll align myself with God. I'll partner with God to see my family restored. I'll partner with God to see my community touched. I'll partner with God to see my neighborhood saved. I'll partner with God to see that co-worker come back to repentance. I'll partner with God. I'm God's inside man. I'm God's inside woman. Maybe lift your hands all over this place. God, in Jesus' name, Lord, I thank you, God. I thank you, Lord, that you desire to partner with us. Yes, you could do it on your own, Lord, but you desire to work with us and to partner with us and to bring us into alignment with your will, Lord, and connect us with others that we can partner together and see the power and the authority of God established on this earth, heaven invading earth because of us. God, I thank you today. You found men and women in this room. God, if you're looking for a man that will stand in the gap, if you're looking for a woman who will stand in the gap and build a wall and, and pray for this land, you found them right here at Elevate Ministries. Come on, say, I'm your man. I'm your woman. God, use my life. I'm willing to partner with you to see amazing things transpire. Lord, I'm willing to align myself and surrender to your will to see your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, I pray. And everyone said in this place, amen. You are God's man. You're God's inside man. You're God's inside woman. God wants to use your life in an amazing way. I want to share this last story with you.
Maybe we're kind of wondering, well, what does that look like? Man, I'm in a carnal place. My school is so messed up. It's so hard. Where do I even start? It's the story of the woman that's caught in adultery. I think all of us know the story. These, these men found this woman caught in adultery and they dragged her before Jesus. It's curious that it's only her because it takes two to commit adultery, but they just brought one, which I think is a little bit curious. But they bring her and they throw her before Jesus and they said, they said, Abraham says that, or excuse me, Moses says that a woman like this should be put to death. She, she should be stoned. Jesus, what do you say? You guys know the story. Jesus gets down on his feet, on his knees, and he begins to write in the dirt. And so they ask him again, Jesus, Moses said this woman should be stoned. What do you say? And Jesus, still, he says nothing. He just writes in the dirt. And there's lots of speculation on what he wrote. We're not talking about that today. But he eventually gets up and says, any of you, without sin, you cast the first stone. And all of a sudden, the people that were there crowded around, they began to drop their stones. They began to hang their heads and they walked away until there was none there except for Jesus and the woman. Jesus looks at her and said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Just a tremendous example. I think it's an example for us of how Jesus saved us because we were condemned. No reason that we should be able to walk in forgiveness. But Jesus doesn't condemn us. He loved us. He's given us a directive to go and sin no more. So now here we are. We're saved, we're changed, we're free, delivered. Sometimes when we look around our circumstances, we wonder, God, why am I here? I don't want to be in this environment. I don't want to be around these people, man. They're so terrible and they're such sinners and they're so messed up. Anybody ever thought that before? I don't want to be around these cussing sailors at work. I wish I could work with a bunch of Christians. And why do I got to go to this school? They're teaching all this terrible, terrible. They're trying to indoctrinate my children. Why would they be? Why would I send my kids there? We have all of these thoughts, like, like somehow that, that since we're saved, that now we're just, we're just, we're just kind of meant to, to kind of be with heaven's people until we get to heaven. But God saved you for a purpose. He saved you to partner with. And what I noticed about how Jesus was with this woman is that he spoke for her before he spoke to her. He spoke for her. He spoke on behalf of her before he said anything to her. And I think sometimes we think, well, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to tell them this is wrong and that's wrong and you shouldn't do that. And we, we have that mentality. But Jesus illustrated for us how we're meant to be an inside man. That God's looking for a partner. And if his will is that none should perish, then as a partner with God, we take his word, we align with it, and we say, God, my co-worker is one of the ones that you said that you're not willing that any would perish. My co-worker is one of those people. Lord, it's, it's your word. And so on behalf of my coworker, on behalf of my daughter, on behalf of my uncle, on behalf of this neighborhood, on behalf of this city, I'm pleading, I'm aligning myself with your word. I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, that you bring restoration and healing and forgiveness. I'm going to speak for them before I speak to them. And here's what happens. When you speak on behalf of them, 
God will give you an opportunity to speak to them. It's a partnership that we enjoy with God. I want to tell you something. If we'll come under alignment with this, what we're going to see is we're going to see this church begin to explode. When, we, when our heart aligns with God's heart, and when our will comes under the will of God, let me tell you something. God's going to begin to use us in, in, in ways that we never imagined, never, never thought possible. Why? Because we're not living for our dream. We're not living for our plan. We're not living for our idea. We're not living for our purpose. No, we've put all that to the side. We've surrendered all that. And we said, God, it's your will. It's your will. It's your will for Orange County. It's your will for this city. It's your will for my workplace. It's your will for my family. It's your will for my neighborhood. It's your will, not mine. Lord, I'm partnering with you. I'm partnering with you. I'm speaking on behalf of those that don't know you yet. They're just going to, you're going to give them an opportunity to know you and you're going to use me to do it. I'm your partner. I'm your inside man. God, use me in a powerful way in Jesus' name. Come on. Can we begin to pray right now? Lift up your family member. Lift them up right now. Speak to God for them right now. Speak to God for your son. Speak to God for your daughter. Speak to God for your for your friend at school. Speak to God. God, for, the, for your next door neighbor, for the person you sit next to at work, for that person that you, you, you can't stand living across the street. Speak to God for them right now. Partner with God for a miracle. Authority and power flows through that. God, we thank you for what's going to be done. In Jesus' name, come on. Come on, begin to pray. Begin to believe. Come on, Jesus.
you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I remember the day I surrendered to him. I remember the day. I mean, I had my whole, my whole thoughts on what my life would look like, what I would do. I had dreams. I had plans. The problem was, is they were my plans. No matter how hard I tried, it just didn't seem to work. And I gave my life to Jesus. I'm telling you, ever since I surrendered my, all of my, my stuff to him, I surrendered to him. And he took over ever since that day. I've just seen him do so, so many amazing things in my life. I'll never, I'll never forget that day. Maybe you're here today and say, you know what? I, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to surrender to his will for my life. Maybe you're here today all over this place. You say, that's me. You raise your hand. I would love to pray with you today. Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? Side to side, front to back. Anyone at all? God loves you so much. He's here to save us. He's here to change us. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Amen. And I want to, I want to challenge God's inside men and women. You're God's partner. I want you to view yourself like that. I know we need God, but God needs you. God needs you. God wants to use you. He's got tremendous, tremendous plans for your life. He wants all of the giftings and all of the, the generous gifts that he's given you to be worked out as, a, as he partners with mankind to bring heaven to earth. Let's do that this week. Yeah. Can we do that? This week, we're bringing heaven to earth. To remember that I'm God's partner. I'm God's inside man. Amen. God, I thank you for these people. Lord, blessing upon them, favor upon them. Lord, as they align themselves with you, as they partner together with your people, Lord, let them see the power of God in the land of the living. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you so much. Thanks for being here today. Love you.